One time I actually said to my friend, I said, well, exactly how much due diligence did you do in this situation? He said, oh, nothing. And I said, oh, I said, I was under the impression that you'd done all the hard work. I'm only investing in this because you're in it. Because I certainly haven't looked at the proposition mm. and I don't know, I know enough about private equity to make a good judgment or not. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research. What follows is my interview with Stuart Leckie. Stuart was based in Hong Kong for many decades where he advised on investments and pensions in Hong Kong and mainland China. He's also the author of books titled Pension Funds in China and Investment Funds in China. He was founding chairman of the Hong Kong Retirement Schemes Association, acts as an advisor or trustee to a number of funds, and was chairman of the CFA Institute Advisory Council on Standards and Financial Market Integrity. Mr. Leckie worked in life insurance in the UK before moving to Hong Kong. While in Hong Kong, he served as chairman of Willis Towers Watson, formerly Watson Wyatt, in Asia Pacific, and as chairman of Fidelity Investments Asia Pacific. He has advised the Chinese government on pension reform and advised the Hong Kong government on the establishment of the Mandatory Provident Fund. In this episode, Stewart shares his worst investment ever story, investing about 500,000 pounds in an affiliated product he did not deeply understand, which was, however, offered by a trusted friend. Eventually, he stopped investing further after realizing he needed to do more due diligence into the person he originally trusted. Lack of transparency and reporting of the company were another warning sign. And then there was the case of unaccounted collected funds stolen by one of the personnel of the venture. Listen to this story and learn the importance of due diligence, transparency, and reporting. Thank Stuart for his willingness to discuss this case. Let me describe a situation that arose maybe about uh, five years ago. A very good friend, a very close friend, had decided to invest in something called ICE, capital I, capital C, capital E, uh, in the UK. The best way to describe ICE is it, it was an affiliation card, you know, for points and coupons, mm. but it was all based on sustainable goods and services and so on. So this all sounded very attractive and I had a little bit of cash at the time. So I, I just, you know, quickly put in um, to 50,000 uh, pounds mm. uh, sterling, it was a sterling right. thing. Um, and I, I, I could have set it aside, I didn't right. try to check. Once a year I would try to check the valuation on 31st December and for the first couple of uh, year ends I simply got the reply back, uh, mm. well just value it at book value, you know everything's fine um, but um, you know we're not making money or we've not got positive cash flow at this stage but um, you know we're going to get there. Well, another year passed, and I asked for some more money, I gave him another 100,000, and then I think the following year I gave him another 150,000. So by this time, I'm into this for half a million pounds. And um, one time I actually said to my friend, I said, well, exactly how much due, due diligence did you do in this situation? He said, oh, nothing. 
And I said, oh, I said, I was under the impression that you'd done all the hard work. I'm only investing in this because you're in it. Because I certainly haven't looked at the proposition mm. and I don't know, I know enough about private equity to make a good judgment or not. Right. I, I realized that, I mean, if this was me to blame, if not 100%, 99%. I, I should have insisted in looking at the books and the figures and the business plan and getting some proper advice on that from somebody who knows what he's doing because mm. I do not know what I'm doing right. in terms of um, private equity, venture capital, etc. Cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So anyway, there was a bit of a crisis because they discovered that one of the officers of the, the, the company, he had been collecting some investment money and forgetting to put it into the fund, to put it politely. And I mean, I, I, I was just mad at this, but I was mad at the situation, but I was also mad at myself for having allowed myself to get sucked into this. Yep. Anyhow, the people decided not to take this guy to the police, which I think was quite wrong. They said, oh, well, you know, he knows a lot of people and he knows a lot of wealthy people and maybe he can get, you know, maybe we'll get him to, you know, inject some more money. But I mean, I said, this guy, if he's a thief, it's probably because he's got no money or, you know, whatever else he does yep. with his money. I, I don't know. And then the, the organization, when I started to get a little bit close to see what was going on, to mind mind, they were all dreamers. Mm. They were not kind of hard-nosed financial guys, which I think is what you require. And I, I must say, with entrepreneurs, I've actually got a problem with governments or authorities or NGOs or whatever giving money to entrepreneurs. If you're an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, and you do it yourself, you don't rely on other people. I mean, I started my little business, yep. uh, as I say, 1997, 98, and nobody gave me any money. <laughs> so, you know, it focuses your mind. But if somebody's giving you money, if some government or government agency is giving you money to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> I think that's ridiculous. Anyhow, to come back to my situation here, it appears that this ICE venture is still alive. Mm. One of the, again, curious things, Going back a couple of years, I was just suddenly informed that, oh, had I applied for the UK government grant? And I said, no. So anyway, apparently as an entrepreneur, mm. acting in my, talking in my favor now, right. I could apply to get a refund up to the amount of tax I'd paid in, in various years. Right. And I do pay UK tax because right, I've right. got some UK investments and so mm. on. So I filled up more forms and did it absolutely truthfully. Yep. You know, and said, you know, I got an address in Hong Kong, I'm a UK citizen, blah, 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 blah. And here's the amount of tax I paid in the last few years. So they gave me a check for about 76,000 pounds. So that was, that was handy. Of course, it's only a, a small way short right. of the um, 500,000 that um, I've gone. But apparently the organization is still alive and there's still people there who are very optimistic and they keep coming out with a little bit of good news. I mean, they tend to forget that I've been listening to this for probably about six years now. Mm. So the, the lesson I have to learn is probably don't touch things you don't understand. Secondly, get proper due diligence done. And secondly, don't, and th thirdly, don't be patient with people who are, who seem to fall the time in the world and are, um, just too relaxed about it. That that's an important one because sometimes you 
some people will sometimes feel like you're pushing them too hard or they may come back and go, why, why are you? To, why are you? Okay, no. I, I want to push them. I mean, if, if somebody wasn't prepared to be pushed, I mean, that would be a huge negative in my yep. book uh, nowadays for sure. So the lesson, one of the lessons is don't be afraid to push people. Yeah, to exactly. Get, you know, and if they don't like it, then this means it's not the investment for you. <laughs> and I suppose when you say push, what you're saying is, I'm asking for information. questions, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I would like, you know, probably half-yearly accounts. Yeah. Don't need to be audited at the half-year half year stage. I could a quarterly report, even if it's only one page. Yeah. But the, the communication was very spasmodic. And it, it always seemed that they waited until there's a little bit of good news. Mm. Then they send out a newsletter, you know, carefully glossing over you know the, the nine parts bad news for the one part good news right and I think that's a lesson that we often hear is that never be afraid to tell bad news you actually yeah. build a good reputation over time if you're the person that's willing to talk about it willing to talk about it and say well this is what I've learned from it and this is what I want to do that's different and this is what you guys got to do so sure and I think a lot of young people feel afraid to share the mistake that they made yeah. that they're going to get blamed but well, probably another dimension here, Andrew, was, I mean, going back six or maybe even seven years ago, I, I was sort of anticipating I would have moved to the UK a lot earlier than this. Mm -hmm. And I, I'd sort of said, OK, you know, I'll do this investment. Can't get involved today, right. based in Hong Kong. But, you know, if I'm going to be in UK two years from now, I would certainly want to get there and kick the tires and yeah, yeah. get to know people. But that hasn't yeah. happened. I have mentally written off this investment. So if it comes good <laughs> any year, now that'll be a bonus. But, um, Can I just ask one question about when the guy first approached you about the idea? Obviously, none of us are naturally just going to give someone money when they first approach. But there's something about the way maybe that he approached or the level of confidence that you had, or, oh, yeah. or maybe it was just that you thought, oh, this suits the fact that I'm moving. What was it? If there's something that, if, I, if somebody approaches me now in the future and they're similar type of situation, I want to kind of make sure that the listeners or the people that are listening or reading this would, would have a, what can they take from that when somebody yeah. approaches you? Well, I, I, I think I, I was just far too trusting and it was one of these things, oh, okay, you know, I've got the cash, why don't I do the investment, mm. I'll, I'll catch up in the due diligence. <laughs> next month or the month after because it doesn't happen were there, just too busy. Were there any red flags or any feelings like oh maybe I shouldn't do this that were you overrode or when I put it in the second and then the third lot of money I mean that wasn't part of the original business plan mm. and, and they were going far too slow I mean they, they set out milestones you know by this quarter we've done this and six months later we've done that you know, they kept saying, oh, it's all good news, we're, we're ahead of our business plan, it's just all take, it all takes a little bit longer. Yeah. Everything in the bloody world takes a bit longer than you. I mean, that, that's not a good excuse to say, yeah. you know, I, I, I planned two years and it's three years. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So, well, I mean, it's, it's just a, a small tale I, uh, I tell against myself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that I want to thank you for sharing it. I mean, that's it's definitely valuable. So again, thanks for another great story to help us, all of us, you, me, and the listeners, create, grow, protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, I will see you on the upside.